Deep in the woods, there are some terrifying things hiding just behind every single branch. You never know what you're going to find. I myself have seen some quite unexplainable things myself while hiking and primitive camping over the years. One of my favorite experiences, though, is when I came face to face with a mountain lion. Had to squabble him up a little bit, throw a little one-two, show him some footwork, but after no time at all, he went on his merry way, albeit with a black eye. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true Deep Woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Hey swamp folk, the other day I was walking down the street walking my dog when suddenly this old guy wearing a bear costume jumped out, tried to slap me in the face, spit on my shoe in disgust and said, Swamp Dweller, you haven't uploaded a new video today, what is wrong with you? He then claps his hand and does a backflip and then pulls out this little elixir. He says this was crafted by the gods of productivity themselves, it's called a magic mind shot. I instantly took it without even thinking twice about it, took it straight to the dome, and it instantly became my best friend. I started drinking these little green shots in the morning and I absolutely love them. On a serious note, Magic Mind is absolutely my replacement for that crazy coffee binge I've been having for many years now. There are no more energy drinks. There are no more third or fourth cups of coffee. All I need is this Magic Mind shot. It helps me be more productive. It helps me feel less jittery. It makes me feel nice and clear in my head. It, it's been very great actually. I've very much enjoyed it. My favorite thing about this is the cordyceps mushrooms that they use. It's a great adaptogen. It reduces inflammation. It strengthens your immune system and it supports higher energy levels and physical endurance. It ramps up your production of ADP in your mitochondria, which is super helpful, especially if you work out on a weekly basis like I do. And the other ingredient that I really enjoy about this product is the lion's mane mushrooms, yet another nootropic and adaptogen. It reduces anxiety and again, inflammation while also supporting cognition by preventing neurodegeneration and stimulating neuroregeneration. Honestly, this works great for me. I'm usually not even a big fan of this kind of stuff, but honestly, I have fallen in love with Magic Mind, and I think you will too. So if you're like me and you're trying to ramp up your productivity without losing quality, I entirely recommend that you go check out magicmind.co slash swamped and join a community of go-getters. You can also use my discount code swamped to save up to 56% off your first subscription or 20% off your first one-time purchase. My 56% off code only lasts 10 days, so hurry up and use it. Once again, that's magicmind.co slash swamped. Terror in Southern Washington Mountains by Zozo11 Hi, Swamp Dweller and Swamp Folk. I apologize if my grammar or spelling isn't excellent. I'll do my best. This is a hiking story and a small town story, I guess. And I live in a tiny town in southern Washington with a population of less than 1,000 people. Immediately outside the town borders are a dense forest on three sides and hiking trails throughout the entire area. My fiancé and I are in our early 20s and I live on the outskirts of town. For the sake of the story, let's say her name is Grace. Grace and I are about as prepared as we can be when going out into the woods, no matter how short of a hike it's planned to be. 
Most important to the story is that I am always armed with a sidearm and Grace is always sure to carry her bear spray. I always try to go hiking together or look for crystals whenever we have free time, and this day was no exception. On this particular day, we would stay close to town and explore a trail we had never been to before. It snakes down the mountain and has multiple areas connected to the main river at our site. As we went down the initial section of the trail, I smelled smoke, which wasn't unusual in our area, but as a whole, it was slightly unusual for this particular spot. I let Grace know and we continued with our adventure. After collecting some nice rocks, probably about five minutes later, we started seeing animal carcasses littering each side of the trail. Upon closer inspection, the deer in the particular areas we had seen had been butchered sloppily and left to rot. Most hunters in my area are highly ethical and wouldn't waste this kind of meat. They also don't discard things in this manner typically so close to town. With this, I told Grace we could still hike but keep her head on a swivel. Usually, our understanding is that I'm mainly in charge of staying aware of our surroundings until we are more than a few feet apart. Grace can stare at the ground and look for crystals while I keep an eye out for bears or people, and that's exactly what I was doing today. Which is why, at the bottom of the trail, when we reached flat terrain, I noticed in the distance a smoking fire pit. It looked as though it had been out for an hour or two, but I had a gut feeling that we were dealing with poachers. Whenever I notice something slightly important, or if Grace does, we let the other person know, and I did so. Grace said she'd like to continue for a bit longer, and if I say we should go, we'll leave. About 200 yards into this section of the woods was a clearing. As Grace filled her bag full of crystals and neat rocks, she looked up and started saying my name to get my attention and asked me a question. But halfway through my name, she suddenly stops. I turn to meet her gaze and look in the direction she was staring with my hand already on my sidearm, and less than 15 yards away was a man peeking out from behind a tree, staring at us, but he seemed to have no clothes on. It was damn near 35 degrees out, and the worst part was is he had blood smeared all around his mouth, face, and chest. It looked as though we were in some sort of Walking Dead cosplay, and I was waiting for him to make a move before I knew which move I could make in response. Finally, after about 30 seconds of staring, he slowly stood behind the tree. When he did this, I told Grace to keep her eyes on that tree while I looked around to ensure there was no one else. I put Grace as close to me as she could be and put her bear spray in her hand. As I scanned the tree line around us, I saw another face. But this one, he had a crazed look in his eyes, as though he had broken out of the nearest prison for the criminally insane. I told Grace not to move, and I told her where the other man was about. And finally, I told her it was time to leave once and for all. As I looked the second man over, he just began smiling with this wide grin. While Grace said she hadn't seen the first one in a while, I told Grace I would watch our rear and left side of the woods. As we walked up the trail, she would need to manage the trail's right side and front section. We'll be switching off if need be. She said okay, took the safety off her bear spray, and we began walking back to town as I gripped her backpack with one hand and held my pistol in the other. To make things worse, it was starting to get dark and it was about a 10 minute walk back. I wasn't necessarily concerned that we couldn't handle these weird men in the woods, but why was Grace risking getting hurt if we didn't have to? As we made it about 50 yards down the trail, I lost sight of either man, but we started to hear twigs and leaves breaking on both sides of the course, and it was a person or persons making the noises not animals. 
If you spend enough time in the woods identifying these footsteps and the animal's weight becomes more understandable. Still, because of our situation, each snap at the twigs and crunching in the leaves made my stomach drop. Knowing the next noise I could hear was Grace gasping as one of the men charged us. I couldn't afford to lose my cool, so I tried to clear my head and continue at a good pace. My pistol is entirely out of my holster because I'm so concerned that something might happen now that they're following us. About 50 to 100 more yards for us to go, and the sounds of those people walking through the dense forest are getting closer and closer to us. It's to the point where the sounds are so close that I can't understand why I don't see them yet, and if they saw us, why didn't seeing me with a gun deter them? Are they actually that insane, or do they just not care? Or maybe were they both armed? With all these thoughts racing through my mind, the sounds all suddenly stop. The footsteps, the cracking twigs, the leaves crunching, and I notice the birds have gone quiet too. We can see the parking lot opening just ahead of us, and Grace is picking up the pace. It's making it so much worse that it's quiet now. Are they still following us? Just while being more careful not to give away their location, I tell Grace, maybe they finally turned back and decided it's not worth it. At this exact moment, we hear music, incoherent and rambling whispers in the woods, but it sounds like there's way more than two people. It clearly sounds like it's 20 or more individuals. We are finally in the parking lot, and we can still hear the whispering. It sounds like just rambling, like random words strung together but they are responding to each other and speaking to each other with these incoherent whispers. Now, the freakiest part of the whole situation for me was this part. As we get in the car and lock the doors, we look into the forest one more time as we start the car. And on the other side of the trail, right at the edge of the tree line, are faces peering through the pines. Out from behind the trees, the eyes are as white as can be, grinning, seemingly smiling. Grace is crying and doesn't understand why this is happening or who these people are. Truly, I don't blame her. After seeing that, we took off and put that area behind us. I called the sheriff to let him know of poachers in the area. I didn't say anything about the weird people we saw. We are locals here and word travels fast. The last thing I need is to be labeled as crazy in town. But whenever we're in the woods now and I hear breaking twigs, I can't stand not knowing what it is making the noise. I don't know who these men were, where the voices were coming from, or if the sheriff ever investigated the area after our report. I don't know if it was drugs or what caused these people to behave this way, but I know that if we ever weren't armed and were not aware of our surroundings, we were definitely going to be dead meat. Abandoned Mental Asylum by Jake My friends and I used to love urban exploring in high school. We had gone to many places in and around our town and experienced things. So, we decided to revisit this abandoned mental asylum on this cold, windy winter night. It was huge, the size of a small college campus in the middle of the woods. So, my four friends and I arrived at this asylum around midnight. It was freezing this night, so we planned on staying inside as much as possible. We started our journey across the campus to check out some of the buildings we missed the last time. Some buildings still had windows, meaning they stayed warm inside. So we explored two significant school-like buildings, which could have been more uneventful. Instead, we cracked jokes, took pictures, and had fun overall. This was when we decided to explore a smaller two-story building. This building was completely overgrown, but was mostly intact. All the windows were present, except for one with a sound-sized hole in the glass. The back and side door was locked, 
but we managed to force the front door open. As we were about to enter, we noticed one of those metal food trays that people usually put the salad in at parties next to the door. We only thought a little of it, since we'd seen a lot of weird things while exploring, and this was nowhere near the top of that list. We entered and started walking around, shining our flashlights everywhere. The inside of this building was trashed, contrary to the outside. The first floor had lots of dust in the air, so three of my friends decided to head out front and wait for my other friend, who I'll call Jay for this story, and me. After finding nothing extraordinary in the basement or first floor, we headed upstairs. As we turned to head up the stairs, we noticed the stairs were clogged with chairs and furniture, making it challenging to maneuver our way up. This should have been another red flag, but we were too naive. So instead, we checked out a couple of office-type rooms and found some astounding paperwork and stuff left behind. One room was gone when we reached the end of this side of the hall. The door was closed, which was not unusual, so we tried the handle. Locked. Then we tried option two. Kick. Nothing. Last, we tried to body the door open. It wouldn't go. We said screw it and went to check the other side of the second floor, but we heard the door creak open as we turned to walk. We turned and looked to confirm, but it was not open far enough to see anything more than pitch black inside the room. We pause for a second, and as we stand there confused, the door flings open and we see movement. Obviously, a person in dark clothing. We both turn and sprint to the stairs, jumping about 10 to 12 steps over the mountain of trash on the stairs. Our friends, inside of the stairs at the front door, see us do this, slightly confused for a second, but quickly picked up on what was happening. We all ran the probable mile back to our car, freezing. Once we got to the car, we warmed up and explained what had happened to our friends. We determined it was probably a homeless person taking shelter in the building, since it was somewhat warm compared to the 20 degrees outside. Nevertheless, still a scary experience, because we have no idea what that person's intentions were when they flung that door open on us. We don't think they chased us, but they were not catching us, as we were all high school athletes and were going on adrenaline. We've gone back since, but have yet to go near that building. When exploring urban areas, watch for signs of people living in places. Something Unusual is in the Woods by Zelvin When I was around 15 years old, I lived in this house near the woods, and we had this long stretch of dirt road not too far away that used to be a railroad many years back. A friend and I were driving a quad bike on this dirt road because no cars drive there, so you could do whatever you wanted. You know, play around with all the fun stuff. One day on this dirt road, as we were playing with this quad bike, we saw someone walking down the street. We slowed down and drove forward. As we got closer, it looked to be a person walking several dogs. To clarify, we were still pretty far away. Once we got a bit closer, it looked more like a moose, so at this point we stopped the quad bike and decided just to watch it from afar. It slowly kept walking towards us. It started to look more like a person again, but without any dogs. So we decided to start up the quad bike again, and we drove towards this person. 
Suddenly, it looked like this person was absolutely drunk off their balls because it started going side to side on the road like it couldn't keep its balance. So we drove a little faster to check on what was going on. When we were pretty close, the person fell off the road. At this point, we moved fast to ensure everything was fine, but we couldn't see anyone. We had gone pretty far down the road, so we were at an open field. If someone had fallen off the road, we would have seen them by now, but there was nothing, just an empty, vast area around us. We get pretty freaked out, and after a couple of minutes, we hear this gunshot and some sort of moaning from an animal or some person, maybe. I can't explain it, but it was a weird sound. The gunshot isn't that weird because of where we live. It's pretty standard for people to go out and hunt animals or whatever. We didn't think much of it and just drove back home. The next day, we decided to get on the quad bike again and go see if we could see this figure. At some point, we drove past where we originally saw it, and I could swear, deep, 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 down into the woods, I could see a figure standing there. Again, as we got closer, it began to turn into what looked like a human, then some sort of moose or something, and then back to a human. I'm not sure what we were witnessing. But after another minute or so goes by, we once again, just like last time, hear a similar gunshot go off, and then we hear what sounds like a moaning or a groaning sound. I'm not sure if this is some sort of haunting that is just residual, or if we are actually hearing something, uh, criminal. Park Ranger Sees a Monster by Anonymous AI It was a typical day for Ranger Tom as he patrolled the trails of Yosemite National Park, surrounded by the magnificent beauty of the towering mountains and lush forest. But as he hiked more profoundly into the wilderness, he began to sense that something was not quite right. The birds were silent and the animals were seemingly nowhere to be seen. Then, as he rounded a bend in the trail, he came face to face with the creature that defied all description. It was massive, with fur as black as night and piercing yellow eyes that seemed to glow in the darkness. It let out a blood-curdling roar that echoed throughout the forest. Tom quickly realized he was no longer alone in the wilderness and was stalked by a beast unlike anything he had ever encountered. He tried to run for it, but the creature was too fast and too strong. It seemingly closed in on him, and Tom could feel its hot breath on the back of his neck. He knew that he had to find a way to escape or he would be the next victim of this beast. He searched the area for a weapon to protect himself from the monster. Finally, he had a fallen branch he found that was strong enough, and he picked it up to defend himself as the creature lunged towards him. Tom was backed up against a wall, a rock wall that he couldn't climb or couldn't get around. For hours, Tom fought for his life against the beast. Whenever he thought he had the upper hand, the creature would return more robust than ever. Then, just when he felt he could not last any longer, he heard the sound of footsteps and voices in the distance. A group of hikers had stumbled upon the scene and were able to scare the beast away. Tom was severely injured but alive, and as soon as he was rescued and taken to safety, the officials said that this was a bear attack. But even now, as he sits in his hospital bed, Tom cannot shake the feeling that this beast is still out there waiting for its next opportunity to strike. He knows it wasn't a bear. He experienced it. He damn near lived through it. The thought that this thing may come back after him haunts him every single day. He quit his job, never to return to the wilderness. He will never be able to work at Yosemite National Park ever again.
Nearly Gutted by a Mountain Lion by Leon L. I'm not really a fan of hiking, but my friends convinced me to come with them on a trip to Kentucky. It was supposed to be a fun adventure, a chance to get away from the city and explore the state's natural beauty. We set out early in the morning, armed with backpacks full of supplies, and began our trek through the beautiful, magnificent forest of the Kentucky wilderness. As we walked, the air grew thicker, and I noticed the trees grew denser. The trail we were on seemed to disappear in front of us, and we found ourselves pushing through thick underbrush hoping to find our way back to a recognizable path. It was then that I heard a loud growl coming from somewhere deep in the woods. My heart began to race as I realized that growling was getting louder and closer. I looked around trying to see where the sound was coming from when suddenly a mountain lion emerged from the bushes. It was enormous, with a sleek coat and piercing yellow eyes. It was staring directly at us, and I could feel its predatory gaze sweeping over me. I froze in terror, my mind racing with thoughts of how to protect myself. I had heard that you were supposed to make yourself look bigger to scare off mountain lions and bears. So I raised my arms and shouted as loud as I possibly could. My friends did the same and the lion seemed to hesitate for just a moment. Then, without hesitation, it lunged forward, snarling and baring its sharp teeth. I felt a surge of adrenaline as I sprinted away as fast as I could, my friends doing the same. We ran through the underbrush, hearing the lion's roar behind us as it chased us down. We were running for our lives, our hearts pounding in our chest. Finally, we burst through a clearing and I looked back to see the mountain lion had given up the chase. I collapsed onto the ground, gasping for air as my friends gathered around me, all shaking with fear. It was a close call and one that I'll never forget. From that day on, I never took the wilderness for granted and always took extra precautions to remain safe. A couple of years back when I was in high school, my friend, let us call him A, invited me to go hog hunting out on his property in Gonzales County, Texas. The property was a pecan orchard that backed up to a river in the area, and my friend's family had been hunting there for many years. Usually it was dove and deer, but with the recent and growing nuisance that is the feral hog population, that's what they focus on. The first time we went out was without incident, but then we decided to invite some more people Bringing my brother Z and his friend Jay, we had been friends for some time now, and formed a group we had called The Boys. Anyway, it was late December when we went out, and we would be staying in a cabin on the property, or at least that was the plan. The cabin had two main rooms, a sunroom, which had been added on later, with windows on every wall, and the main room in the cabin with the kitchen area, bathroom, and beds. There were only three beds one of which was a trundle bed, and a pull-out couch in the sunroom. Both the trundle and pull-out couch had not been used in quite some time, so they had more than a few spiderwebs and other unpleasant things infesting them. Z and J said hell no to freezing in the sunroom and the spiders, so they ended up sleeping in the car for the night. Now, the whole group was well acquainted with the paranormal, and we would joke about seeing skimwalkers or wendigos on the trip, even though... We knew they were not in these parts of the country. We even joked about Yeehaw Yoshi, a play on the Navajo name for the skimwalker, Yinod Lushi. We were playing around, saying it would come and visit us in the night. We arrived at the property around noon, 
unloaded our guns and belongings from the cars, and settled into the cabin. We spent the day messing around and looking around the property. Around five, we decided to head to the nearest town for barbecue, and then came back and headed out to our makeshift blind before sundown. We waited at the blind until it was too dark to shoot, and headed back to the cabin, freezing our butts off the entire time. When we got back to the cabin, we made a fire, and while we hung out around it, I found some stupid green text about skimwalkers and read it to the group. After a little while, we decided to have some fun and walk around the orchard in the dark, just hoping we would see something. During the walk, we were all on edge because we could all tell there was something around us. Deer and the like, but shining our lights around only made the walk even creepier. Seeing a whole herd of deer and their eyeshine looking right at you is not a very comforting feeling. After we got too cold to continue, we headed back and got ready for the morning. We were going to go sit at the blind again. While we were gathering our stuff, A noticed that our hog call was nowhere to be found, and Z found Jay's rifle outside, fully loaded, even though I remember watching Jay empty it inside the cabin. We just brushed it off as us being forgetful, and we all went to bed. A and I in the cabin, Z and Jay out in Jay's car. A quickly went to sleep, but I stayed up a bit longer watching YouTube because I was not really tired. Now, here's where I should mention that I suffer from night terrors. Despite being in my late teens, although I had not had one in at least five years by the time of the trip, they were still a possibility. Despite that fact, I know I was not tired, and I was not asleep. My bed was right next to a window that looked out into the yard of the cabin, and A's bed had a window that looked into the sunroom. But, because the sunroom was all windows, you could see out into the lower part of the orchard, towards the river. It was about midnight, and I rolled over, so I was facing away from the window near my bed. And when I rolled over, through A's window and the sunroom windows, I saw a tall figure, walking right next to the sunroom. It was way too dark for me to discern any features aside from the shape and size. I woke up A and told him I saw someone walking outside, and he groggily suggested it was probably Z or J taking a pee. But I rejected that, because why would they walk all the way near the cabin to take a pee outside, when they could just go right outside the car? It doesn't make any sense. Not only that, but the figure was much too tall to be either of them, because the taller of the two was only 5'8". A just ignored me, and said it was probably a neighbor messing with us. Even though we had been shooting all day and anyone who tries to mess with people with that arm just thoroughly stupid, I tried to pass it off. A texted our group chat, retelling what I had seen, and then we went to sleep. In the morning, Z and J told us that they were actually planning on coming into the cabin because it was so cold out in the car, but they said F that when they saw the messages in the group chat. They also said they had heard tapping on the window to the car around the same time I saw the figure, but they didn't see anything and just assumed it was A or me trying to mess with them. They also said that they heard the hog call in the orchard, and they were sure it was the call because it was very distinct. Though, a hog might not be able to tell a human can definitely discern it was a call and not a hog. But they mentioned that the call sounded almost distorted when they heard it, as though it were being used by something that didn't produce a sound as we did. After we had talked about what happened in the night, we got ready to go out to the blind before the sun came up. But as A was putting on his camo pants, he noticed there was something in his pocket. It was a pecan. 
and he swears that he did not put it there. There is no way it could fall into his pocket either, because his pocket had a Velcro flap covering it. After that, we went and sat out without any more incidents. The next day, when we finally started packing to leave, A found the hog call underneath his bed. Even though, when we were searching for it, we both checked there and never saw it. I know this can all be chalked up to an overactive imagination, but I know what I saw, and I believe my friends. On a side note, ever since that trip, I have had night terrors or some odd incident every time we've gone hunting since. I hope one day that we catch something that is a little less poor seen and a little more supernatural. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Deep Woods Horror Stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to slap that like button like it owes you money. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. I upload brand new videos just like this one almost every single day on things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Many thanks to my friend, Interscare Sleep, who read story number two today. If you enjoy their voice and want to check out more stuff narrated by them, you can find their channel link in the top of the description. I'd highly recommend it. They upload great videos on a daily basis as well. I'd love to know in the comments down below what your thoughts were on these stories and which one was your favorite. If you made it all the way to the end, be sure to comment the code word. Haunted Virginia to let me know you made it to the end and to confuse anyone else who hasn't. It's always fun to see the comments you come up with. And just to make this upload extra special, the best comment that makes me laugh will get a free Swamp Dweller t-shirt sent to them. Anyways, thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you. Don't forget to share this everywhere it needs to be shared. Come join me over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good social medias, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.